As you know, I've mentioned my daughter has just recently been diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, which has inspired me to rerun this Lemons to Lemonade series that I created in 2014. It's the story of me going through the whole ordeal of having ovarian cancer. I will say this, as difficult a time as that was, nothing compares to watching your own child under age 30 being diagnosed with a horrific disease like this. Just an update. I went home to see her. Finally, we were able to get dates straight. While there, she was supposed to go for an ultrasound, which was just a follow-up to an MRI. While doing the ultrasound, they detected two more cysts in the same breast that were still iffy. And while I was waiting in the other room, they broke the news to my daughter that they wanted to do two more needle biopsies on those cysts. So a very typically normal visit turned out to be trauma times two. They came to get me, asked me to come back, didn't tell me why. I followed the nurse blindly and walked in on my daughter, who was crying. I don't want to do it, Mom. I just don't want to do it. I must have asked the nurse and the tech three times, tell me exactly why she needs more biopsies if she's going to have chemo anyway. What is the purpose of putting her through this torture again? If she's going to have the medicine that's going to kill the disease, they said, because if the cancer shrinks the other cysts as well, and one of them just happened to have been cancerous, we'll never know unless we do a biopsy now. And that cancer has a way of coming back. Oh, wow. I looked at them and I looked at her and I knew that she was in shock. And I re-explained to her what they just said to me because I knew she wasn't really hearing it. And I said to her, honey, this has to be done because if you don't do this now, you're not protecting your future. You'll never know what's lurking in there if you don't diagnose it now. Just the look on her face was enough to floor me, but she did it. And I stayed in the room with her, and I heard her whimpering as the needles entered, and I felt my heartbeat racing, scared to death for her, but not letting her know. And I talked to her as they were doing it about Goodnight Moon, <laughs> and the cow jumping over the moon, and the chair that sat alone in the middle of the night. Where this came from, I don't know. But I think she heard me. I think it calmed her. But it's the only thing I could think of to do. Go back and be the mom to the little girl that I was hearing whimpering. Oh, honest to God, it broke my heart. But she got through it. And the next day, we started her chemo. I took her sat with her. She's trying something different. It's a 
type of cold cap where it can preserve your hair. In fact, they gave her a 90% chance that it will save her hair. So she's got that to hold on to as good faith. But I watched her as they injected, and she's got the port placed, and one IV bag started, and then another, all the pre-meds, and then the chemo. And I just sat there, and I thought to myself, what could possibly be worse? I mean, we would all feel that way about our children. I, I can't reiterate it enough. I just don't think there's a worse horror out there. But she did it, and she was brave about it. Her fiancé showed up when she was done. I left to go home and tell everybody how she was. The first night, she got sick. The second day, she was better. But the second night, she was ill again, and it seemed to become a pattern in the nighttime is when she would be the most sick. And it happened so quickly in comparison to the way it happened to me. But again, they are different chemos, breast cancer versus ovarian cancer. For me, the only saving grace is once they kill this cancer and they either do a lumpectomy or a mastectomy, it's gone. Ovarian cancer is chronic. I just can't wait for her to be done. I said to her, it's one year out of your life, and then you're done. And I think she's holding on to that because she's engaged, and they are to be married in June. It's wonderful to have positive things to look forward to while you're going through such a miserable situation. The greatest news of all came three days later when we found out that the other cysts were benign. So we rejoiced in our own little way while she was sick. Now begins my second part of Lemons to Lemonade, two out of six. It's just a worthwhile journey that I think it's important that you hear. And I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've stressed Go get a mammogram. Don't skip your yearly gynecological appointments. Ovarian cancer has no symptoms. But if you happen to see yourself bleeding, just a, a drop of blood, get to the doctor. You must do your own breast examinations. Self-examinations can save your life. And I know if my daughter were sitting here with me right now, she'd be nodding her head and saying the same thing to you. She was proactive, I was proactive, and we're both here to live and talk about it. So take a listen to part two of Lemons to Lemonade. Back then, I think I even called it Survivor. Welcome back to the second part of what I call Survivor, Lemons to Lemonade. This is the story of what I went through while having ovarian cancer for the first time. And I'm not acting maudlin while repeating this story, but I will say that it is difficult for me to listen to it after having lived through it. And I've got five episodes here that are already created. And much more has happened since then, so there will probably be at least two or three more episodes to follow. If you have anything that you'd like to share or 
contribute something that may have happened to you, feel free to drop me a line at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. Or if you feel brazen enough to share with the rest of everybody, any podcast platform you're listening on, you can leave a comment. Let us know what happened to you. And now, Lemons to Lemonade, Part 2. August 18th, 2014. The afternoon before the surgery, I got a call. It was my doctor. The test results were in, and they weren't in my favor. I tried to look behind her to see if there was anybody else waiting in line to add another one-two punch, but she stood alone with words that cut through. In all fairness to her surgical abilities, her words were probably sharper than a scalpel and were certainly straight to the juggler. Okay, the tumor we were hoping for has caught the last train for the coast. This means I have to work a lot harder to get back to the old reliable Robin. I'm so tired of trying to compete with who I am. It's ridiculous. Why do I have to be type A and an overperformer? It'd be so much easier if I didn't have to live up to my own overwhelming image. She explained that she could go in laparoscopically, but I'd need to sign a consent that if she saw anything more, she'd be able to do a full-blown surgery instead. I asked, does this change the stage I'm in? She said she wouldn't know until after they biopsy other organs if necessary. I asked, how long for results? She said 10 days. 10 days of torture of not knowing what stage cancer you're in. Hell, I just figured out what stage of life I'm in. The final question, and of course this is me assuming I'm living through this crap, will I need chemo? Answer, yes. Therein lies the stranger that was in line behind her. The one I thought skipped my line and meant to bother someone else. No such luck. What about my book? How do I add chapters onto the end of Diary of a Sugar Mom? These are some serious chapters. Oh, dear God. I'm already realizing there's going to have to be book two. I don't think I could live through it. Oh, maybe I won't have to. I'm now thinking ahead. I wonder if I have enough hair. It is down to the middle of my back. To have someone make me my own wig out of my hair? It's right up there with finding my car in the parking lot. Same kind of illogical logic that only works in my head. The final question I had for her was, You said that tonight I had to be on an all-liquid diet. Does vodka count? She said two things. Go for it. And how she mustered up the ability to say the closing comment, I'll never know. Have a good night. Shouldn't doctors have pat answers to medical conditions? If you're operating on someone in the morning who has cancer, here'd be my list of correct comments. A. Try to get some sleep. B. It'll be over before you know it. C. You're in good hands. D. Don't beat yourself up. You need to rest. Have a good night? Really? August 19th, 2014. 
after the surgery. I'm still here. I always thought ovarian cancer was the death sentence. Oh, I hurt like hell. Each area from the base of my neck to the tops of my thighs should have a little button that when pushed would say, don't touch me. I'd also stop my foot if I had the ability to do so. The good news is they got it all. The not so good news is she took about 20 snippets from all over the rest of my organs and sent them out to be biopsied. Now I sit and I wait for results. If you know me, you have to know that patience is not one of my virtues. Just for futures, you should know that I don't do well in traffic or on hold either. I'm pretty sure that within my entire life, I've allowed myself to throw up maybe five times max. That's it. I'll do anything in the world to avoid it. I get sick just thinking about it. But the real deal of chemo in my future is sounding like its own death sentence for me. Today, while thinking about how I'll handle having no hair, I walked the hospital halls with my very own pole. And no, it wasn't a stripper pole. I left that one in my trunk. This pole had an IV bag hung on it. I knew a pole would have a use in my life at some point, but I never anticipated that its contents would carry a life-saving liquid. Having insight is a wonderful thing. Thank you for taking this journey with me. I truly believe... I couldn't do it alone. You really matter that much to me. Robin. August 20th, 2014. What day is it anyway? Day five? It seems like it was two weeks ago that I put a book out. I'm kind of thinking maybe it needed to be longer. Obviously, it was lacking in content. Why else would I be hit with a topic that I need to learn about in a hurry? And a disease that many have questions about that I have to be the damned chosen one to explain. This goes above and beyond reason. All that know me well will expect to hear the next set of words come tumbling out. This is ridiculous. So let me begin with what I've learned that still hasn't stuck yet. I'm not good with directions, so I've avoided paperwork. And the first thing I've discovered is there are students that talk, 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 and talk some more because it makes them feel important. Nothing wrong with feeling special as long as you're offering the correct info to the patient. There are residents who seem smarter than the students, but you need to be careful of what you ask because while they're not students, they're still not as smart as doctors. Let's not skip over the fellow. What the fuck is a fellow? A good old chap? By the time you're done processing who's who and who said what, you may have to climb back up on the surgery table and ask everyone to start over. This time, though, you want labels on your parts taken out and parts that are being fixed. See? One person told me whatever cancer is left after they took the path slides next week, I'll be in pain again from the new cancer. I said, I was never in pain from the old cancer. Why would it hurt this go-round? Fellow came in tonight, and after I relayed this past on info, she said, That was a student talking. Ignore them. What? I'm not in the habit of ignoring medical people, and I'm almost wishing now that they'd wear colored name tags to determine who sits in what chair. 
If you ever find yourself with a million questions, don't take the word of anyone who is not your doctor. Oh my God, these people are almost as bad as jocks in the radio industry. We all just want to be heard. I've learned that the doctor wants me to get through two rounds of double-dipping chemo, but with the hope that I'll manage six rounds. So now I have to wonder if I can beat the odds and go the distance just for the principle of it, or if I should just expect to get through two rounds and be happy. This one takes the cake. My mom thought my surgery was next Monday, so she never called the day of the surgery, and if it didn't hurt to laugh, I'd be howling. It's good to laugh on paper. My kids can't believe that my husband, who I'm separated from for five years now, is the one that came in to be with me. Five kids uttering, Mom, what's wrong with you guys? Like, where did Dad sleep? Like, I would have wanted to even have sex. You're kidding me, right? Okay, the facts for those women that wonder. A, always look to see if you're bleeding, especially after menopause. B, Watch for bloating for no reason. C. Keep track of UTIs. And D. If you need a hysterectomy, it may be from cancer. They don't always know what kind. Let them run labs and blood work and biopsies. Whatever they need to do, don't get in the way. Lastly, keep your sense of humor. It's rare that you get the opportunity to laugh, but when you do, use it to the hilt. It feels so good to feel as though you're beating the odds. Oh, and one more thing. Sorry. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Just be sure to ask the right person. August 21st, 2014. I'm home and attached to no IV pole. Finally. Third day waking up in my own bed. It's been scary. The first night, I truly believed they'd let me out of the hospital too soon, and as a result, I never unpacked my suitcase. In fact, today, that chore will be completed. Three days later. It's just amazing how one day you're the woman that always wears dresses, heels, nails, and would never leave the house without makeup on, and the next day, you become someone who has to learn how to walk in heels again. It bothers me that I was so health-conscious and so exercise-regimented. How does one's own body let that kind of person down? It's not fair to not trust in your own body. But the truth is, I don't. I feel like a walking time bomb. On the other hand, it took me a few days to figure out that I've already won more than half the battle. I've been sitting here worrying to death about the chemo part when I should have been rejoicing in the fact that I kicked the cancer's ass and had it all removed. I think things happen so quickly that we tend to lose our priorities or focus in times like this. So now I'm gearing up for the chemo, getting my body stronger, going home for a dose of my kids first, and then watch out. You've never seen a woman with a purpose in mind as much as me. I have major fish to fry. I need to gain back 10 pounds. I need to learn how to wear that wig I've picked out, and God damn it, it's prettier than my own hair. I need to become sure-footed again. Heels will be the only option. Most importantly, I need to let my kids see that I'm a fighter. 
Then I'm back to work, back on my book tour, back to radio interviews, TV interviews, right back to being the sugar mom. If you see blood after menopause, go to your doctor immediately. I caught ovarian cancer early because I was proactive. There are no symptoms for ovarian cancer. I'm begging you to tell your wife, girlfriend, daughter, mom, etc. to do the same. I'm proud to say I've not lost my figure. Although I've lost some muscle tone from laying in bed while in the hospital, so today I'm going for a walk. I'm buying a sexy one-piece bathing suit at Victoria's Secret and then laying at the pool. My bikini will wait jealously in the closet while these stitches heal and disappear. As I said, lots of fish to fry. August 25th, day seven after the operation. I'm back in the hospital. I'm not sure what day it is now, but it feels like day 10. This was to have been a four-day procedure, and at this point there are no veins left to prod and a temper that's about to explode. The culprit? My bowels are sleeping, and they won't wake the fuck up. First of all, it's a subject I never discuss, ever. Me and the bathroom are two very private entities. Just ask my husband. He's never seen me in the powder room while we were married. Never. My mom told me to keep mystery in a marriage. She said you should never let a man see you at your worst. And now here I am blogging about it. Where has my shame gone? Medically, I've had tubes in my nose that are killing my throat. One IV that's holding needles, no pain from the surgery, but yet no gain either. It's very frustrating to feel good after major surgery and still have to stick around the hospital. These doctors live a backwards life, making rounds at 4.30 a.m. and not ending until 8 a.m. in 15-minute increments. By the time they get to me, I'm so exhausted from doc number one that I can't think straight for doc number four. They expect me to be coherent? I'm worried about work. I left my assistants in charge, and I'm so proud of them. But, but it was a lot to prepare them for, both clerically and emotionally. I check in as often as I can, and a lot depends on what tube is sticking out of where. I'm worried about my kids. It's lonely without them. Yet I don't think I'd want them to see me like this. They know me as the strong mom, not the weak one. I wonder if that was a mistake to raise them like that under false pretenses. I think I was weaker more often than not during their upbringing, but I put on a great show. I'm really not sure. It could be my frame of mind that's having me lean in that direction. They hardly call me, but it can't be because they don't love me, but maybe more because they're assuming I'm okay. I'm not sure, but I'm upset. Of course there are those little creeper thoughts about where might there be a teeny-weeny bit of cancer just lurking and ready to pounce when I'm finally feeling good for a minute and get to go home. So ladies, I want you to know the surgery and recovery part isn't bad. If you catch it soon enough, it's all this other crap that'll make you nuts. I'm so not looking forward to the chemo. My eyes tear when I think about throwing up and losing my hair. 
our hair is such an important part of our being, it makes us feel sexy, desired. I can't, just even can't imagine what it'll be like to lose that essence. I know lots of women have done it and are the stronger for it. I applaud them. I just don't know if I'll be able to be like them. I wanted time to find the perfect wig, but they're keeping me in here, and who can rush while shopping for a wig, especially having never done it before? I wish there was a traveling wig store that would come to the hospital with models to show different sassy looks. The oddest thing happened last night between my book, The Diary of a Sugar Mom, which I just recently released as Faction, and an email I received from a character in the book that I hadn't talked to in many years. I didn't understand why he sent me a link and wrote him asking so, only to realize his email had been hacked. I thought to myself, it was so odd that of all times he'd indirectly write me while I'm in the hospital because of spam. We'd shared quite a past together, and if he only knew that he was a big part in my book, <laughs> he'd have a cow. Next thing you know, he called me. Talk about bringing the book to life. Dear God, I don't think either of us were prepared for last night's conversation. I didn't tell him he was in the book. I still have this stupid way of trying to protect the men I've been with, even if they were the idiots along the way, but it felt good to hear him laugh and remember the good parts. Isn't that what life is supposed to be about? Holding on to the good parts and learning from the bad and then just letting go? Hopefully for all of us that are undergoing chemo, we too will be able to remember how beautiful our hair was as we move forward to healthiness. Maybe we realize it's not as important as we think. I hope so. I hope so. Love and thanks to you all. Robin September 8th, 2014 I met with the doctor Tuesday morning and left the same day at 1 p.m. to fly home to South Carolina to see my five kids. They all think so differently about life, fate, and God that I had to approach each one individually. The flight gave me three hours to rethink what was said to me and add five different spins on the same verdict. The bottom line is, I'd been under the misconception that while, yes, they got all the cancer out, at the same time they snipped 20-something tiny pieces for biopsies just to make sure there was nothing else because there is no cure for ovarian cancer. Imagine the shock in hearing your doctor say, you'll go through six rounds of chemo, lose your hair, and then we'll retest you every three months for reoccurrences. My reaction was, wait, what? I thought I'd be done after six rounds of chemo. Wrong. It's more of a disease that needs to be maintained via chemo, and only 15 to 20% of women will be cancer-free after chemo treatments within a five-year period. I was shocked into silence. Not wallowing in depression, mind you, I was just so surprised that I was unaware of the reality of the situation. I was busy thinking how to retell this diagnosis without looking for pity and gathering strength. At first, I listened. I nodded. 
put my wall up, wouldn't let anyone touch me for fear of falling apart before I got on the plane. Who can fly with strangers and let loose with tears? Impossible for me to do. The more I talk about it, the worse it gets. Words spill out of order, far faster than tears. I could imagine saying to the person sitting next to me, I thought I was going to be okay, and I booked a trip to spend time with my kids to rejoice that the worst part is over, but they know me so well, and they'll know I'm lying by the time I land and get to that curb. Sure, any stranger would get that logic. Not. So I just shut up. I did what I do best, compartmentalize. I received a call from the wig store while on the way to the airport. We've got your hair. Whenever you're ready, we'll get you set up. In my head, I'd been thinking, this is short term, and I'll wear this wig for six months and learn to love it. And after my hair starts to grow back, I'll lose the wig. Now I'm choking. While thinking three months after chemo, I'll have lost the wig. And then they'll tell me the cancer is back. I may need to keep the wig handy for futures. While in South Carolina, I've been booked on two TV shows in Charlotte to promote my book, which had me shopping for dresses and shoes yet again because, God forbid, I'd brought one or two with me. Who knew? A third TV appearance is coming up upon my return in Dallas, and I've set up an LLC and trademark search for my company name. No, I am not in denial. Will I be a part of the 15 to 20% success story? Odds are against me, since one out of the 20-something little snippets came back positive. But as scary as it all is, my attitude is more positive than that stupid biopsy. I've told my kids to get tested for the gene mutation blood test, BRCA1 and BRCA2. At least we can be proactive in something. Their reactions to my news was heartbreaking. Some cried. <sighs> Some cried silent tears. Some just stared at me in disbelief. And... A couple left me thinking I hadn't been clear enough, but I wasn't willing to retell the tale to make sure they understood. If they didn't get it the first time, they weren't meant to be burdened. It's as simple as that. I love them. I told them it broke my heart to prepare them for what very well could be, and I skated through by not dwelling on it, even if I felt they didn't comprehend 100%. Does this make me a bad parent? I don't think so. I think I put us in protect mode. I receive multiple emails from women I don't know thanking me for speaking up about cancer. <sighs> they tell me they've gone to the doctor and that I've made a difference in their futures. I'm also receiving emails from women that want to know more about just what a sugar mom is because they think they are one. I love it. They're taking risks to be stronger and better than they've ever been while staying sexy and alive. <sighs> if I have had some responsibility in making any of these differences in multiple lives just from writing a book, a blog, opening my mouth, then what right do I have to complain? Get checked if something's out of the norm. You must be responsible for your own future.
commit to a life less ordinary, and then join me in the world of Sugar Mom. Just do something new that makes you feel special. Recognize that it's me time before it's too late. Look in the mirror and make sure you're happy with the woman you've become. Life won't wait for you. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you. And next Thursday, I'll pick up with the third part. Anything you'd like to add from the heart, anything from your soul that needs to come out, feel free to leave it right here so we can all see and be a part of your life. On the podcast platform, there's a comment section where you can write whatever you'd like. Or you can email me personally at robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. And don't forget, Tuesdays is when the crazy side comes out in me. But imagine this, the crazy side was going on while all of this was going on. Once a sugar mom, always a sugar mom. If you ask me, that's pretty spectacular. (laughs) Or I'm nuts. It's Robin Marshall. Have a wonderful day.